You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to this episode of the podcast. This is episode 139, and I'm going to be talking about dispensationalism. Uh, this episode is actually sort of a part two uh, to our most previous episode, uh, episode 138. In that episode, I talked about what is covenant theology. This episode, I'm going to be talking about a theological framework uh, that is often looked at as the opposite of covenant theology, and that is uh, dispensationalism. And so I want to highly encourage you, if you haven't, uh, at some point, go back and listen to episode 138. Uh, before we dive into the content of this particular episode, I want to take care of some business for a moment. Uh, two quick things. Number one, I have another podcast that we recently launched. I want to highly encourage you to check it out. If you are in student ministry or youth ministry of any kind, if you are a, a leader of any kind looking to invest in the lives of middle school, high school, or college students, I want to encourage you to check out uh, the Student Ministry Podcast. And you can check it out at our website, studentministrypodcast.com. If you're in student ministry, I think you'll get a lot of value out of that podcast. But the second thing I want to mention to everyone is the importance of reviews. Now, many of you listening to this have already left reviews uh, on this podcast or for this podcast in, in the iTunes directory or some other directory uh, I want to say a big thank you to you. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time and you feel like this podcast has been a blessing to you and you have not yet left a review, can you do me a huge favor and leave a review? It's it's kind of your way of giving back to the show. Uh, and particularly if you're an Apple user or you're listening to this on iTunes, if you could head on over to uh, iTunes your desktop or the podcast app in, in your you know on your iPhone or your iPad. Um, go over the tab where you search for a show, type in theology for the rest of us. Even if you're already subscribed, it'll pull up the spot where you can leave a review. Uh, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. Tell the world you love the podcast. Those are a big, big help to us. They push us up the search rankings, and they're a big help in helping us uh, reach more people. So if you could do that for me, that would be awesome. Thank you in advance. All right, let's answer the question. What is dispensationalism? And in particular, how do we cr- contrast it against covenant theology? Um, dispensationalism in general is one of the two main frameworks in how we interpret the scripture. There are kind of two kind of big ideas or two different ways of thinking when we are approaching hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the, the science of interpreting scripture. And so in one, in one regard, we have covenant theology, and that's one way to kind of view the scriptures as a whole. Um, and again, I talk about that in episode 138. And then we have dispensationalism, which is a, a very different way, a different framework in which we, we view the scripture and a very different way in which we construct our, our systematic theology. Um, if you didn't listen to 139 or uh, back at episode 138, covenant theology is the idea that we believe that there are two covenants at work, two overarching covenants at work, the covenant of works, the covenant of grace, and that the individual covenants we see throughout the Bible, like through, all throughout the Bible, God makes individual agreements with individual people, individual contracts, with, so to speak, with people, that each one of those is an extension or a manifestation of one of those two larger covenants at work. Um, and, we, and, and the covenant theology would, would espouse or assert the idea that all humans are born under the covenant of works and through faith in God, you can be transferred into the covenant of grace. Now, in covenant theology, there is just one way to get to God. It's through faith in God. 
right? In the Old Testament, it was the Jewish people who were believers of God, and now that's been expanded in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, um, to anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. There's really only one way to get to God from the Garden of Eden all the way till today. Within the system of dispensationalism, however, um, the dispensationalist does not see the the Bible, you know, Genesis to today or Genesis to Revelation, and they don't see the the work of God from from the Garden of Eden all the way to today, in the same way through the lens of one or two overarching covenants, um, but rather they see different dispensations of time. So they're basically different time periods where the the covenants that God had with the people in that time frame don't necessarily transcend to the next time frame. So for example, the covenant and the contract that God had with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is not a contract that kept going for all of for all of human history that in essence it expired at some point in human history that with the fall of man that contract expired and is no longer valid and therefore it no longer applies to us in the same way as it applied to Adam and Eve. That is, that is in essence dispensationalism, that the, that the way God governs his people and the way God interacts with people, the way that God treats people and groups of people varies or changes from dispensation to dispensation. A dispensation is a time period, right? A, a, a moment in history. And so in general, in essence, dispensationalism states that the way to get to God or the way to have a relationship with God changes throughout the course of human history depending on what time frame you live in throughout the course of history. Like, so the way to get to God or have a relationship with God is different if you lived before Noah than if you live after Noah. And that the way that you get God to treat you as his own people changes from dispensation to dispensation. In covenant theology, we say, if you want to be treated by God as one of his followers, and if you want to be treated by God as one of the members of his family, you put faith in God, and that's it. With dispensationalism, it varies slightly. There's a couple different versions of dispensationalism, so sometimes it varies slightly, sometimes it varies dramatically. But in essence, in each time period or in each era of human history, dispensationalism states or asserts the idea that the way you get God to call you his own, the way you get into the family of God varies from dispensation to dispensation. Now, there's some overarching elements that are transcendent and the overarching themes that that uh, are congruent from dispensation to dispensation or from time period to time period, but in essence, they does change and that the covenants do indeed end at certain time frames. Now, not all of them end. There are a lot of dispensationists that would say certain covenants last forever, um, certain covenants last until the cross, uh, from from certain time period to certain time period. Certain ones last until, you know, uh, what a lot of Christians believe is the thing called the rapture, um, which is this event in human history where all the Christians are going to disappear and go to heaven. Um, and we'll we'll talk about the rapture in a, a future episode. Um, but but ultimately, dispensationalism is the idea that the way God brings you into His family, the way God rescues you varies a little bit from dispensation to dispensation. Now, in every dispensation, there's an element of faith. There's an element where you put your faith and hope and trust in God. 
and that results in you being a part of his family. So in that way, there's a lot of overlap between covenant theology and dispensationalism, but ultimately there are, in some cases, dramatic shifts and changes from dispensation to dispensation and how you get into the family of God. One of the major, uh, there's several major distinctions between covenant theology and dispensationalism. One of the ones that is most prominently talked about is a distinction between Israel and the church. In covenant theology, we assert the idea that Israel is the people of God, and then it gets expanded in the New Testament where Gentiles are included or grafted in. Where in dispensationalism, there's this idea that Israel is the people of God in the Old Testament, and that God has a covenant with the Jewish people, and that doesn't end, even the cross. And that um, Jewish people have their own separate covenant, and that that covenant is not expanded to include Gentiles, but rather, starting at the cross, there is a, a new covenant. And so, in essence, from the time of Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting up until today, there are dual covenants happening. Basically, there are two separate covenants that God has. God has one covenant with the people of Israel, the Jewish people. So any person that's born Jewish, and that God promises to protect them in certain ways, and that the Jewish people benefit from God's favoritism, so to speak. Um, that's not maybe an, a fully accurate way to describe it, but it feels that way. It feels a little bit like a favoritism, so to speak. Um, that God has a has a special place for Israel, and that God has a separate and distinct and different covenant and contract with Christians. Now, if a person is born Jewish and then becomes a Christian, puts their faith in Christ, they basically are in both covenants, that the benefits of both of these apply to them. But if you're a Gentile and you believe in Jesus, you're only a part of one covenant. You're never a part of the other one. So the benefits of being a part of Israel never apply to you. And that God has these two separate covenants, that God has these two separate plans. Now, the Sometimes people who are in covenant theology attack dispensationalists by saying, well, you have two ways to get to God. And that's not a fair accusation because the dispensationalists, for the most part, don't believe that. They believe that the covenant with Israel is for natural purposes on planet Earth. You could be a part of the covenant of Israel. Uh, you know, the dispensationalists would say that you could be a part of the covenant of Israel, enjoy all the benefits of it, and be a part of the people of God from an ethnic perspective, but yet... If you don't put your faith in Christ, when you die, you'll still go to hell. When you die, you're not rescued from your sins. You get to be a part of the natural covenant, which is at play here on planet Earth. And there are benefits that you get to experience while you're here on planet Earth, but they're not benefits to carry on into eternity. The only covenant that lasts into eternity is the covenant that God has with the church. And in order to be a part of that covenant, you must put your hope and faith in Christ. Now, covenant theologians and dispensationalists agree wholeheartedly on this point, that in order to be reconciled to God, to be forgiven of all your sin, and to and to be invited into heaven and paradise with God forever, you must put all your hope and faith in Christ and in Christ alone. But theologians on both sides say this, and let me tell you, there are there are theologians and faithful servants on both sides of the argument. I trust. There are several uh, theologians that I trust that are dispensationalists, and there are, if I'm honest, there are some theologians and some pastors and scholars that are covenant theologians um, that I dis that I don't trust, right? Like, and and so just because I may agree with someone on covenant theology doesn't mean that I that I disregard all dispensationalists, and just because someone's a dispensationalist doesn't mean I disregard you know what they have to say in other areas uh, of theology. I think I think there's some validity. Um, or excuse me, I think there, there are people on both sides of the aisle that I would call faithful servants that are seeking to interpret the scripture uh, as best as possible. I simply happen to agree with the covenant theology. I think that is the most consistent way to approach the scripture um, from my, you know, several years of studying 
the Bible. So people ask, what does it, what does it matter? Like ultimately, dispensationalism and covenant theology, what does it ultimately matter? The, the question, or the answer is this. It matters in how you interpret the scripture. If you believe, if you subscribe to the idea of dispensationalism, you will end up interpreting certain passages of the scripture a certain way. And if you subscribe to or affirm covenant theology, you're going to end up interpreting those scriptures very differently. Let's take, for example, Abraham. God calls Abraham into a relationship, establishes a covenant with him, establishes uh, the sign of circumcision. It's this incredible thing that God is doing in the life of Abraham, does these really cool things. It's awesome. You can read about it in the book of Genesis. If you believe that the contract that God had with Abraham was individual to Abraham and that God was doing what God was doing in the life of Abraham in that time period doesn't necessarily apply in a transcendent manner, then the promises to Abraham only apply to him and his direct lineage, right? However, if you think uh, that, that Abraham's relationship with God isn't individualistic, that it is actually an extension of something much grander that God is doing, that God actually has this much larger covenant of grace, and that he's actually calling Abraham into that, then you realize that the promises made to Abraham and the things that God does for Abraham don't necessarily only apply just to Abraham and his lineage, but they actually will apply to and ought to be considered for all the people of God for all generations forever. If you're a dispensationalist, you're going to view Abraham and his relationship with God and the promises that God made to Abraham, you're going to view those very differently than if you're covenantal and you and that you see that Abraham is a representative of the people of God and that Abraham is receiving an extension of the covenant of grace. If you're a dispensationalist, Abraham has an individual contract with God that is unrelated to anything God did with Adam or Noah or anyone before Abraham and therefore has limited impact beyond Abraham and his lineage. But if you see that Abraham is actually yet another chapter in the same story, right? God is writing one story of grace, and the, the first chapter is with Adam, and then multiple chapters later he's got Noah, and then he's got Abraham, he's got many others. If you see Abraham as one chapter and one overarching story, then you're going to view the life of Abraham and the lessons we learn from Abraham very differently and how they apply to us today as believers. And the life of Abraham is just one example. I could give you dozens of other passages of scripture that you would interpret differently, differently depending upon whether or not you take a covenantal approach or a dispensational approach. Right? Whether you look at that individual story as a part of the grander story that God is writing, or if you just look at that story by itself, uh, divorced from kind of the grander story, and you just look at that story in its own time frame, its own dispensation, and you examine it kind of on its own. You're going to end up interpreting things very differently. And there are a variety of other passages where that is true for, uh, like the book of Romans. There's chunks of Romans that you will end up you end up interpreting differently depending on whether or not you take a covenantal approach or a dispensational approach. The book of Revelation, you will, you'll interpret very, very differently. Uh, chunks of the Gospels, in particular, when Jesus is talking about kind of the age to come or the kingdom to come. The book of Daniel, large chunks of different portions of the Old Testament prophets, um, much of the Old Testament, in fact, you will look at differently if you're covenantal versus dispensational. And more than just the individual passages that you will disagree upon or that you would interpret differently, I think there are some elements to the character and nature of God that are most uh, most clear to us that are most on display when we take a covenantal approach. I think there are some character uh, elements of the character and nature of God 
that maybe aren't as clear if you look at each individual passage and story in the Old Testament, it, you know, kind of in and of itself within its own time frame, and you consider it from more of a dispensational perspective. So again, for clarity's sake, covenant theology is the idea that there is two overarching covenants and that everything God has done from the Garden of Eden up until today is through the is through these two covenants. That everything God is doing and how he treats people is an extension or a manifestation of either the covenant of works or the covenant of grace. Dispensationalism is the idea that there is not just two overarching covenants that last forever, but that ultimately then every time period throughout human history, there are different covenants and therefore what God is doing and how God treats people in each individual time period shifts and changes ever so slightly. And sometimes there are things that God is doing a one time period that end up carrying over to another time period and they find themselves being manifested in a different covenant or a different contract with a different person or a different group of people. Uh, but that sometimes the way God does certain things in certain time periods does not carry over, that it, it varies from dispensation and from dispensation. Again, a dispensation is nothing more than a time period, an, an era in human history. And so then people ask, well, what are these dispensations? And I think for the most part, dispensationalists understand the Bible to be organized in seven different dispensations. And again, there are some variances amongst dispensationalists, but in general, these are the seven time periods that are typically uh, embraced. There's the dispensation or time period of innocence. This is basically the time before the fall. Um, and, and the way that you remain in covenant with God is to not eat of the fruit. Adam and Eve broke that covenant. Um, so from the time of, of the fall, um, or for, you know, after Adam, all the way through Noah, there's the, that's the era, what some people, some theologians call the time of conscience, where, uh, where, where, where people are governed by their conscience, where God has, has relations with the people and the way that you come to God or have been in relationship with God is that you follow the conscience that God has given you. At the end of this dispensation is a major event in human history is the flood. God brings this global flood, wipes out lots of people. There's probably, uh, anthropologists tell us, probably somewhere around a billion people on planet Earth at this point, and God wipes them all out except for Noah and his family. They enter into the ark, God rescues them, and then when they come out of the ark, God brings humanity into a new dispensation where he begins to interact with them and treat them differently. And the way that God primarily works and speaks to humanity in, in a lot of ways during this dispensation is, is what we would call the dispen or through the manner of human government. And so this is a particular dispensation that God used at that time period. And then um, several generations pass and, we, and a guy named Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 comes on the scene. God creates a new covenant with Abraham. And, and then we enter into the dispensation that a lot of dispensational theologians call the dispensation of promise. And then you have Abraham and his son Isaac and uh, Jacob and Jacob's 12 sons. And from that is birthed the nation of Israel. Um, and the nation of Israel, they go into Egypt. They're in slavery for many years. God rescues them out, by, led by a man named Moses. And then there, Mo, God establishes a new covenant, the Mosaic Covenant. And this is now. This is where they're given the law, and they're expected to, uh, they're expected to to live a certain way. They are the people of God, and that there are elements of this covenant with the Jewish people that will last all the way to the end of human history. Um, and so there, they, we call this the Mosaic Covenant, and we enter into a new dispensation. This dispensation lasts all the way up to the cross. Jesus comes to planet Earth. He lives a perfect life. He dies for our sins. He raises from the dead, and then he makes available. Uh, salvation by 
by salvation by faith through grace. He gives an opportunity to be saved and we enter into a dispensation of grace. Most theologians call this the church age. And this is the dispensation in which we are living in today. And then most dispensationalists believe that there will come a time where this time frame ends, that Jesus comes to planet Earth, and that he lives on planet Earth as king on planet Earth for a thousand years. This is often referred to as the millennial reign, and that will be a separate dispensation. And, and, there's an, and that's, they get that from being, being interpreted from elements of the book of Revelation. So that we are in the sixth dispensation. There will come a seventh dispensation after us. That will be the thousand years, a literal thousand year period where Jesus comes to planet Earth and he lives and he governs planet Earth as the, he's the king of the world living here on planet Earth. And then at the end of that dispensation, God will create the new heaven and new earth. There'll be the white throne judgment. Anyone who is a believer in Jesus will be rescued and will be ushered into a paradise forever. And those who do not believe in Jesus will be condemned and separated from God in the lake of fire uh, forever and ever. So again, these, these dispensations are not paths to salvations, but they're manners in which God relates to man and how he invites man to relate back to him. Each, each dispensation, um, dispensationalists would assert, includes a, a recognizable pattern of how God works with people in each individual dispensation. And, and that does seem to, uh, over, there does seem to be a lot of overlap from dispensation to dispensations. Ultimately, dispensationalism as a system uh, results in what we call the premillennial interpretation of Christ's second coming. Jesus is going to come back, and at a future time, after Jesus comes back, we're going to live in this millennial reign, this thousand-year millennial reign here on planet Earth, and then the end of the world as we know it will come after that. So to summarize, dispensationalism in general is a, a theological system by which you can you can interpret the scriptures. It's a framework to interpret the Bible, to order the Bible, to kind of organize the different time periods of human history. Uh, it's a way to, to interpret Bible prophecy and future events, or what dispensationalists would think are future events. Um, and it is the and it is it is the theological framework that makes a distinction between Israel and the church, which ends up causing you to interpret a variety of passages of scripture differently than if you didn't make that distinction. So if you, if you make a distinction between Israel and the church and you embrace the dual covenant uh, ideal idea and concept, you end up interpreting certain passages of scripture very differently than if you believe in one covenant. There's only one people that it was the people of Israel that was now expanded as covenant theologians would embrace. Um, you end up interpreting passages of scripture very differently. Depending on which one you, you embrace, certain passages end up, end up meaning different things to, to different people. That's my understanding of dispensationalism. Uh, full disclosure, I myself am not a dispensationalist. I, I reject that theology. I, I don't believe that's the most consistent way to approach the scripture. However, there are people way smarter than me that definitely embrace dispensationalism, and I'd encourage you uh, to go uh, you know, read from them and learn from them. Uh, there's a couple books you could check out if you're interested in studying dispensationalism. Uh, kind of one of the most famous books is a book called Dispensationalism, written by Charles C. Ryrie. Uh, he was a longtime professor and theologian at Dallas Theological Seminary, he written a lot of books. He actually recently, in early 2016, uh, passed away. Faithful servant of the Lord in a lot of regards. Obviously, him and I would disagree on some areas of theology, but uh, he wrote a book that, that a lot of people uh, really like. Again, it's called Dispensationalism by Charles C. Ryrie. Uh, the other guy you could check out is a guy named C.I. Schofield. He uh, 
he wrote the, the notes for a Bible called the Schofield Bible. It was very, very popular, or still is, very popular in the United States. And so you can find some commentaries and things written by, uh, by Schofield. Uh, the other really unique writer in modern times who has written a lot about dispensationalism or believes this dispensationalism um, is a guy named John MacArthur, who's a relatively famous pastor out of California. You can just kind of Google him and find sermons and teachings by him. He is really unique in that uh, most dispensationalists tend to not be Calvinistic uh, or Reformed. If you don't know what that is, well, we're going to tackle that in future episodes. Um, most dispensationalists are what we would call Arminian or traditionalist in Baptist theology. Um, they're not Calvinist or Reformed. John MacArthur is Calvinist and Reformed, and so he is very unique uh, in that way. And so if you're interested in checking out a Reformed dispensationalist, you can check out John MacArthur. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have any questions about this episode or any episode, feel free to shoot me an email. Or if you have a topic or a question that you want me to address on the podcast, you can also feel free to shoot me an email. The best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Quick reminder to everyone about the importance of leaving reviews. Please do that. They're a big help to us. Also, if you're in student ministry or you know someone in student ministry, check out our student ministry podcast at studentministrypodcast.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.